0: Less than 48 hours after Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14, Letterman Row is back in the Cap City, the 40-year bet Tim May. Andy Backstrom, Spencer Holbrook right here. Fellas, I mean, what a weekend. Um, The atmosphere, the stage, the setting, the grandeur of it all. Um, No no
1: weeds in any of the grass on
0: campus? The, just Ohio State eking out, pulling out, toughing out. A 17-14 win. Again, this is the Monday after uh, Leonard Monroe. Tim, yeah. just get us get us started, man. It's it's tough to still uh, put into words what happened on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, and I'm not parsing words with you because you know you know you know really behind the scenes, I really like you. I, I think I don't know I don't know if people understand that or not. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't use eek or pull out a win. I would say Ohio State went out and grabbed it <laughs> with that last possession. I mean play after huge play after huge play, dire circumstances, backed into a corner, they came out swinging. And uh, Chip Traynum used that analogy as he was describing this game. One team swung hard, then the other team swung hard. They swung hard, we swung hard, but we just kept swinging and finally got the, the biggest punch in, which was Chip Traynum scoring from the one yard line against a 10 man <laughs> Notre Dame defense. So now I'm sure the narrative is going to be out there. Oh, we'll talk about it. Not so much Ohio State's. It's just they. whenever you're only going against 10-man teams, yeah, they can beat them. You know, big whoopee, big mistake by Notre Dame there. But uh, the bottom line is they found a way to get it done. These games are – that's what matters. Just ask Clemson right now. Clemson, Florida State. Clemson didn't trail until overtime in that game and got – suffered its second defeat. Huge victory by Florida State. Same way with Ohio State. As Ryan Day said, all week long, the only thing that mattered from Saturday was going to be the win, the W, not the style points, not the spread, not anything else, the win. And Ohio State, in its first major test of 2023, passed.
0: Well, it depends on when you got it. They did push the spread. so.
1: No, I'm. Just th- <laughs> forget about the sprint. his point was. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, they did hit it right on the button.
2: Andy? Yeah, winning on the road is really hard. Winning on the road against a top-ten opponent is even harder, especially a top-ten opponent that has such a strong offensive line. I mean, we saw that in the second half, just how much push Notre Dame got up front. That made things really difficult for that Ohio State defense just mm-hmm. to get a stop, but they got a stop at the right time. Yeah. Thanks to JT2 and Malwell, how, you know, looking back on that game, he might have had his own Penn State moment in South Bend. Yeah. Not only with the T F L that he had that ended up helping out big time, but also a deflection that almost was an interception. They would have gotten them the ball back right there in the red zone with a lot more time to score.
1: So Jack it's just, Sawyer, same thing.
2: Yeah, Jack Sawyer first drive of the game almost has a pick six. So there's just a lot of plays I look back, there's a lot of omos for both teams really in that game, which that's in every classic, right? You can yep. go back and say, well, if that just went that way or if that went that way, I mean, there's moments in that game where Ohio State could have had it in hand, really. I mean, they were up 10-7. They were driving. Josh Fryer has a bad, unnecessary roughness penalty, and after that kind of takes them out. They have to punt, and then Notre Dame goes down for its second straight touchdown drive. There was also a point where it looked like Ohio State was going to take the lead and go up 17-14 earlier where Travion Henderson just trips – ever so slightly, right? and he was just about to be on his way to the end zone for his second touchdown of the day. So there's just so many little things you could pinpoint and say, hey, if this went that way or that way, but it unfolded the way it is, and uh, it's a classic regardless.
0: Absolutely, and if you can't tell, there's a lot to break down here. There's a lot to get into uh, on the Monday after Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. Uh, I thought on the rewatch, and Tim and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, on a down-to-down basis, I thought Notre Dame won the line of scrimmage. Um, And that's not, like if you took every play and put it just, you watched one play and tallied it who won the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame would have the edge. But that's, that's not how football is played. You have to win on the outside. You have to win on the numbers. You have to win outside the hashes. You have to win in the backfield. And when Notre Dame needed Sam Hartman in that offense to get a first down, it didn't. When Ohio State needed third and fourth down conversions, That backfield won. When Ohio State needed plays from its wide receivers, they got them. When Notre Dame needed more firepower outside the numbers, with that downfield passing attack we talked about, uh, you know, that we saw for them against NC State and for for them against Navy and Central Michigan, it just wasn't there against a better team. And so that's my biggest takeaway from this game is you can win the line of scrimmage and still lose the game. You can lose the line of scrimmage and if you have the right playmakers on the outside, it doesn't matter. Ohio State, had, Ohio State had the guys. I'm not going to use the term dudes. Ohio State had the right guys at the right times to make plays to get over the hump, Tim, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. Like, like you guys both just said, just win on the road, Yeah. and you come home with a win, and that's yeah, what's and, important. And
1: Ohio State had an interesting defensive philosophy in that game. I'll tell you an anecdote, by the way, speaking about the defense in a second. But Ohio State had a great uh, defensive philosophy in that game. I'm, great. I, I used the wrong word there. It was good except they left open some really nice spots in zones, mm-hmm. which, which Notre Dame more and more exploited as the game went on. Guys, you know, a like tight end just kind of like rolling off into this little lobe over here, mm-hmm. you know, and getting a 12, 15-yard gain. And, uh, you know, and of course, on Notre Dame's second touchdown, Davis and slipped, and that guy slipped in behind and, you know, made it an easy uh, throw and catch. You know, I only mentioned Josh Proctor because he was the only uh, defender sort of in the frame, you know, at the end of the play, but it was a Davis-Nigmanosan slip, but that stuff happens in games in in, in some situations and stuff. The interesting thing was, and this is from uh, my friend Adam King at uh, Channel 10, Uh, he was already set up in that little closet they call the uh, post-game interview room for the uh, visiting team, and uh, in comes walking Jim Knowles, well, the video review was still going on of the last play, and a bunch of Ohio State people had already left the field, including Jim Knowles. Well, Jim Knowles had come down from the press box, you know, Mm -hmm. along with uh, Keenan Bailey and all these other guys. And so they're in there, and they're going, where's everybody? (laughs) And so they were in the locker room, basically, when Ohio State deployed. Well, Knowles might have made made it out to the sideline, but they were supposedly— supposedly in the locker room as it was being uh, uh, deemed that Ohio State did score and there was one second left on the clock. I mean, that's how crazy the end of the game was. They couldn't even figure out the game was over one way or the other. But uh, that's a little anecdote to kind of put in your head about how crazy the night was. And uh, I thought defensively, like you just said, when they had to have a play, they got one. They got the ball back. That was so key to what happened that uh, that Kyle McCord – and uh and all three major receivers, Emeka Buca Julian fleming and and, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. caught big passes on that last drive, which is crazy, you know, caged over, oh my gosh, just another foot in the air, and he'd had a big gain probably down to the 10 yard line you know just it was just amazing how the the big timers on this team stepped up at exactly the right time, and of course they get the touchdown, but
0: yeah, that's the kind of game man you, you just don't you don't quit swinging defensively, I thought. You brought up the defensive game plan. I, I wasn't crazy about sitting back in the zone and being soft on the tight ends, and, and it gave a lot in the middle. But when Ohio State needed plays, it, it simply got them. And yeah. I, that's, that's what I will say. Um, you force a field goal early when you were already on your heels. Notre Dame had this team on the ropes very early, driving down the field. It looked very methodical, that first drive. And you force a field goal. You know that their kicker's not good. You said it. You called it. I said, I think he's going to make this. You said, No, he's three of six on field goals. I think he's going to miss it. All credit to Andy Backstrom for that missed field goal by Notre Dame. Uh, no,
1: all credit to Andy Backstrom for the call of miss <laughs> ah, we'll the missed field goal. The credit to... goes to the kicker.
0: The <laughs> lack thereof, because he missed it. He was three of seven on field goals after yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's a Ben, don't break moment. You force a field goal and you, you, go, you know that the kicker's not good. Uh, the Ben, don't break moment is early in the second half when Notre Dame goes up to the line and tries a quarterback sneak when even they didn't look ready for a quarterback sneak. Ohio State was ready for it. Sonny Styles shuffles, uh, you know, across the formation and comes in right at the right second, stuffs Sam Hartman, uh, not letting him fall forward, pushing him back. Turnover on downs, that could have been a momentum shifter. Uh, You know, JT Tuimola making those back-to-back plays when Ohio State needed them the most in a a failed uh, read option and then the screen pass that Jim Knowles was correct on the rewatch. Notre Dame had him. Yeah. If JT doesn't get his hand on that football, yeah. Notre Dame may have won 21 to 10.
1: Yeah. Um, but, they didn't.
0: but they didn't. All that is to say, like, when Ohio State needed it, it got it. And it needed it on both sides of the ball, and it got it on both sides of the ball. And, and plus, but but we're going to parse.
1: Ohio State left, in my opinion, uh, 13 points on the table or under the table, wherever they go that they don't get on the table. Uh, or they don't get in the jackpot. I mean, the drop pass by Emeka Ibuka in the back of the end zone, greatest, probably Kyle McCourt's greatest throw yet this season. I'm talking about putting it right on the money. Mm -hmm. Big, big big-time throw. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Big-time throw. Uh, And then passing up on a field goal when you had a chance to take the lead in the early part of the game and going for it and getting stuffed. And then, of course, uh, uh, doing the the same thing again instead of uh, going for a field goal when they ran the uh, of the uh, Brian Bashnagel special, the flanker, the flanker reverse to the right side, and boy did Notre Dame play that play That play great. I mean, even the guy who had man-to-man coverage on Mechegbuka basically ran step for step for him across the across the field and got in on the stop like a yard short. Uh, nobody I don't think liked like that play call that I know. <laughs> I know internet didn't like th- the play call. Uh, so as much as we talk about Notre Dame winning the line of scrimmage off and on throughout the. The game, Ohio State left points, uh, left points hanging there. They could have gotten it, which would have come in handy, of course, in the fourth quarter. I've, I've, this is just my philosophy. It's fourth and goal or whatever. Get the easy field goal and take the lead. That, that's where. That's where I de- definitely differ. You're not making any point there if you don't make points.
0: That's where we disagree, but that's okay because that's what this show's well, for. They had zero points. Andy, defensively. Notre Dame is going to scratch its head on, that, on their offensive side and say that they left a ton of points on the board. And I actually think Notre Dame left a lot of points on the field too. That, but that's in these, aware,
1: though. Point in
0: these big games, that's what happens. Like both teams leave points on the board, on the field, instead of on the board, and then it becomes a game of the margins where Ohio State can, can find a way to get a win. I just thought this defensive effort from Ohio State was, was really impressive overall.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tim, I think where they were left on the field was they turned the ball over twice on fourth down. They were driving the first right. drive of the game. I mean, Sam Hartman has the play-action pass. He's trying to scramble outside. Cody Simon does a great job peeling off the tight end and forcing him out of bounds just short of the marker. They could have easily scored on that drive. Of course, they turned the ball well, over I on downs. I don't know if
1: easily, yeah. They Go were
2: pretty ahead. far they, down. They were, it, yeah. they were they moving the ball. They weren't the, the one-yard line or the three-yard They line. were yeah. moving the ball with ease. I think they were at the 18. Uh, yeah, the 18, but yeah. So they were going. They were moving. Uh, Sam Hartman started 9 of 10 for 88 yards. After that point, he was 8 of 15 for 87 yards. He did have that touchdown. but. Certainly, they slowed him down. I also think that Notre Dame wasn't trying to air it out, though. Like they, they had a plan in this game. And I actually felt that Ohio State played to their plan because Ohio State slowed things down as well. They had eight possessions in this game. That's not typically what Ohio State wants to do. I feel like Notre Dame did a lot right in this game. They also did a lot wrong at the worst times. I mean, look at that final drive. Their final true possession they had, they come out throwing on three of the first four plays. Yeah. And Marcus Freeman said, well, we didn't want to play conservative and just say let's run out the clock and make them use their timeouts. But you have to think, Why it was not? working so well for you to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were churning out chunk gain after chunk gain on yeah, the ground. Pain, the kid. second level blocking Notre Dame on the rewatch was really impressive. The linebackers that Ohio State has and Tommy Eikenberg and Steel Chambers, who I thought were going to play a big role in this game, were pretty neutralized, I thought. They did not. Play super well, and that's because they had a hard time getting off those blocks at the second level. Oh, yeah. Notre a great job getting to the second level. Yeah. And this so, is a good team. Oh, good team and, and great offensive line. And I think that, you know, that was just the most confusing part to me. More than maybe even the 10 men on the field, I, I do think that he should have taken a timeout or at least take the penalty there, I guess. Um, but more than anything, coming out and passing like they did really gave Ohio State a chance to make plays defensively because I don't know if they were stopping them on the ground.
0: Yeah. I. Full disclosure, a little peek behind the curtain here. Andy and I were talking in the press box with four minutes ago. like, okay, I gotta get this story ready for a loss. Uh, We gotta get an instant story up. And all of a sudden, Notre Dame starts taking the victory that's in their hands and just like defeat, just snatching it. They snatched victory from their own hands uh, with the passing and not making Ryan Day burn that last time out with 10 men on the field. And look, the more I think about it, I guess I understand Marcus Freeman in a way because you don't want to give Ohio State a free play and if they don't get it, they get to redo that play from the one. However, that's all moot because you called a timeout. You called a timeout and you come out of your own timeout with only 10 men on the field for the Marvin Harrison throw and then Ohio State gives you an out. They sub in tra- uh, from, for Travion Henderson, chip train them, yep. which means the official has to come in, stop the center, yep. let, the Notre- let Notre Dame make their subs if they yep. want to. They're allowed to bring guys on the field. And Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, coaching malpractice. Yes. It is absolutely inexcusable. We're not a Notre Dame show. There's probably Notre Dame fans that are going to watch this show and think we're making excuses for Ohio State. Notre Dame fans, be mad, be pissed off at Marcus Freeman and Al Golden, because it was coaching malpractice at the end of the game. And, and I'm sure, and I'm sure oh, they but made a call here's, on the
1: sideline and, and called for this personnel and somebody didn't go in. You know what I mean? Here's, that's the main Here's
0: the thing. thing. I was asked on Friday in a radio show, who has the coaching advantage? Because a lot of people think Ryan Day kind of shells up in these moments. Really? And that, that's just the, that's just what it is. It, it, it's a narrative. It's a tired narrative. It's not true. But that's there's some people, that's perception. And perception's not reality, Tim. But at the end of the game, at the end of the game, when Ryan Day needed to call the right place for Kyle McCord to help move the ball down the field, when Ryan Day needed that yard, Marcus Freeman had 10 men on the field and Ryan Day took advantage of it. Well, and yeah, that's the end of the game. But I'm, but what's not clear to me, you know, I mean, it was clear,
1: it had to be clear to Kyle McCord when he got to the line, but he even, he, he said in the post game, he wasn't aware, you know, he didn't count the Notre Dame players. He wasn't aware oh, I there think. were only 10 on the field. But it was pretty obvious to anybody that there was a defensive lineman missing, <laughs> you know, on the left side, which is exactly where Ohio State ran the ball. And you're exactly right. I mean, that moment and and then to kind of explain it away like you didn't want to give them a half yard by taking a penalty. I mean, uh, that was hard. That was hard for Notre Dame fans, I think, to ingest.
0: Or I, can, I can get in the mind of Cal McCord. I didn't look out there and assume that. No, not that, Cal McCord.
1: I'm, no. talking about, I'm talking about the. The.
0: The. The. Notre Dame, like you said, yes. uh, Marcus yeah. Freeman. I'm, I know, uh, but I can get into of McCollum Court a little bit when I look at the defense of a guy who's making seven million dollars on the sideline to coach this team, who's a defensive guy. I would generally assume, like, hey, there's probably eleven out there. I don't need to count all eleven. Not only that, but <laughs> and, well, when and you go so, to the
1: line of scrimmage, you know, a quarterback is almost bound is is compelled to like figure out where the where the strong side of the defense is just by counting. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you know. It's just... You know what I'm talking about. There's, five, there's six on that guy. Five five on this side. Okay, we're going to go this way.
0: I knew that we would... This isn't a bad thing. I knew we would fall into the trap of talking about the final five minutes more than anything. Well, we should. Uh, that's and and rightfully so. That's
1: right. where the game was won and lost. Rightfully so. The last play really is where the game was won and Rightfully lost. so. But this the last o- real play.
0: Rightfully so. But this offense, I, I thought was discombobulated for portions of the game, Andy. I thought was out of source for portions of the game. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, it's when you need something, you get 61 yards from Trayvon Henderson. When you need something, uh, you get Xavier Johnson streaking down the ND in the very middle of the field to set you up. You don't convert on that because you call a jet sweep to the boundary. Don't agree with that. When you needed plays to put you in position to succeed, that doesn't mean that you succeeded when you were put in that position, but when you needed those big plays to get there, you got them. And that's the difference here is when you needed them, you got them. When Notre Dame needed them, they didn't get them.
2: Yeah, the short oh, yardage issues, though, are still very much apparent. And I feel like we've been talking about this time and time and time again. Uh-huh. And they were two of six on third and short, which is four or fewer yards to gain. And, you know, really, besides the, the week against Western Kentucky, this has been a problem all season. They were combined three of 11 on those situations, week one and two. And then they were four of four against Western Kentucky, which they did everything they wanted to against Western Kentucky. And then in this game, they were two of six. And they ran the ball four times on uh, third down for three yards. I mean, that's just, they weren't getting a push. And the defensive line for Notre Dame with Riley Mills and Howard Cross and Javante Jean-Baptiste who had such a good game for Notre Dame. I mean, he really turned out well. There was just not enough push from that offensive line. I think Justin Fry was pretty angry on those sidelines and for good reason. I think that you want to see from this offensive line improvement in the run blocking. Now there are plays where you know Matt Jones had a great block along with Marvin Harrison Jr. to set up that sixty-one yard touchdown. They have moments of brilliance, which is probably why it's so frustrating for Justin Fry because yeah, he know, knows what yeah. he has, but you're not getting enough consistency up there, and that's where you know it, that's why it's just so bold that Ryan Day did what he did on that final play um, to call for a run because they had failed in that situation multiple times earlier that night and earlier this season. Well, on the, gonna, uh, on
1: the touchdown, on the chip train of touchdown, you watch Cade Stover, he goes blindside on that one guy, though, pushes him all the way to the back of the inside. Well,
0: here's the thing. I think Ohio State got smart.
1: But they, they flipped in, you know. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: I think Ohio State got smart in short yardage, uh, finally, because lining up under center, making Kyle take the snap. I'm going to do a little reenactment here. Take the snap, two steps, hand the ball off. That takes a while for those offensive. You have to stay on your blocks longer. Fourth, third and goal with three seconds to go. Instead, he snaps the ball and immediately it's in Chip trainam's gut where he can just go. And you don't have to hold blocks for long. You don't give Notre Dame a chance to shed a block and get to the backfield. You don't give Notre Dame a shot. I think that's the, that is the way. You don't need to have three tight ends out there and go under center with a fullback and make a slow developing like, okay, plunge it in from one yard out. You're a shotgun team. That's who you are. You can do the under center stuff, but, like, when they needed that one yard, it wasn't from under center with a straight dive. It was c- almost like Core to keep it in there, keep it in there, keep it in there, and go with Chip Traynum yeah. because, I, wow. you know, yeah. you saw him. The offensive line got the push they needed, obviously against 10 men, but they didn't really need that much of a push because it was such a fast play, which is why it only lasted two seconds in the eyes of
1: play. I mean, a dive play runs just as quick. I mean, you're still taking a snap. No. You're, we see. I mean, you're still taking a shotgun snap, and really, when you think about it, the, the running back can't. I mean, the running back can't really go until he has the ball. I mean, you're. Yeah, he's starting to move. But uh, the good thing about under center is you just step back, and the running back's there, and you hand off. If that. If that. The problem with that play is it gives you no option. Meaning, I uh, asked Chip Tram specifically after that play, Do you have a read there? I mean, do you, can you still bounce? He goes, and he had already sized it up. His big problem. His big challenge was gonna be a guy flipping around the edge, which it was, and another guy coming in from the backside, which it was. She's got missed the block was, too. Yeah, that's that's the point. That's why he chose exactly where, those are all being made in a split second. And, uh, but uh, the reason I like under center is, I think it makes a boot much more possible as opposed to uh, this. I mean, the great thing about this, so catching the shotgun snap is it does, does give you, at least for the defense has to at least have in their mind this guy may stick it and pull and throw. You know what I mean. That's the great thing about the shotgun snap. But I think your six, one, have dozen the other reasons why you do it one way or the other. It just happened to work this time.
0: Well, the stuff under center wasn't working, and the the yeah. shotgun snap with the very quick hand off the chip and let him go, it yeah. did work. I, and 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 I
1: think the shot. I think the, the snap under center. The one thing is. The play kind of dictates where it's going well, you know, from the sharp, from the stop. And if you have ten, the jump, whatever if you, the word is, I'm looking for there.
0: If you, only have Snap. T- if you only have ten men out there, two of them are all to the other side with the wide receivers. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about two of them in the box.
1: Yeah. Overall, I'd say Ohio State had a schematic advantage on that play.
0: Overall, very smart by Ryan Day. I thought that was a great decision. Uh, whereas the jet sweep, buddy, listen. Um, are we going to parse every play by the way? I didn't
1: come prepared for No, but every
0: play. I, you, you cannot get to third and goal with 3 seconds to go without a failed fourth and one jet sweep. Agreed. That everybody knew was coming. Like once Emeka Buka went in motion that way and then started to come back, I was like, "Oh yeah, jet sweep to the boundary." Like yeah. that's that's where you fake the jet sweep and boom. And I don't get Touchdown. paid I don't get paid a lot of money to do this and I knew jet sweep to the boundary was coming once he went in motion and then started to he turned to come back. Like, Whoop. Of so course, another play. The second play,
1: after they get the ball back and they're driving for the winning touchdown, the little, little wide, little uh, basically, basically a wheel route for uh, Travion Henderson. It slipped. It wasn't a wide screen. It had slipped out of the backfield, and the ball was overthrown by what three feet? Uh,
0: it wasn't as much overthrown as he. Travion didn't get his head around. No. Yeah, it was, well, it, it was over his head, yeah, and he yeah. also yeah. didn't get his head around. That's I'm just why. I
1: was talking about the ball was up here. Yeah. I'm it was overthrown. I mean, parse it any way you want, but that, he might have run for 25 yards. I mean, if you watch that play, for example, there are all these moments that could have, would have changed that game in all kinds of different ways. And, uh, and especially the, the great throw to the back of the end zone to Mekek Buka, who comes back and obviously vindicates himself and then some in that game. Uh, he, was the, he was the target of choice. He probably should have had 20 catches in that game when you look back at it. I think I agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kyle McCord was 21 of 37, but then on third down and fourth down, he was 11 of 15, okay? So his accuracy was incredible on the downs that really mattered the most. But there are still some concerns on the early downs. I mean, as Tim mentioned, like that throw to Travion was not on target. Yeah, Travion could have caught it maybe, uh, but it was not a great throw. He also had a couple throws over the middle Cade Stover, that could have been intercepted. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, really one on that final drive that could have been intercepted. Yeah. That
1: one safety though took a hell of a chance. The right. one where he flipped. Yep. Where yep. on the last drive where Cade was wide open, that safety took a hell of a shot, man. Well, he and knew the, it was coming. Yeah.
0: He cut yeah, under. Yeah. He it.
1: still, the ball still could have been thrown another foot and a half higher. You know, a little drop, a little drop pitch I call it, and it, Cade would have been down to the 15-yard line. So, so come, yeah. that's a hell of a play by Notre Dame.
2: I mean, Kyle McCord just. Yes, great defensive play there, but he, he was not – Common Core was not perfect. He didn't need to be, but he made the throws at the right time. I think there is still growth you need to see, though, from number six. That, you know, that's inevitable, right? This was his fifth career start. And still, the poise that he showed at the end of the game is something that you can't argue with. I mean, and that's what won them the game. But I do think that there were times, just as there were times where Notre Dame left points on the board or didn't make a play here and there, Ohio State also got pretty lucky – at certain points, I mean, even the Cade Stover catch, where his knee's on the ground, we thought it might have been a bigger play than it actually was. That could have been intercepted too. Sure. The ball fluttered out of Kyle's hand, and then it was tipped, and Cade somehow comes. I think like that was the wildest play of the game. Sure. Somehow comes down with a reception. The yeah,
0: you you Jack don't Sire. you don't I have like you don't have to say that Kyle McCord played amazing to say that Kyle McCord already has a bit of a legacy at Ohio State now. Like he didn't play his best football. But that final drive is an absolute legacy drive. Like, if, if Kyle McCord does average things at best in the rest of his Ohio State career, and I do not believe that will be the case whatsoever, I think this is a, a rocket ship that's, that's uh, fuel tanks were just turned on. Yeah, and it's funny how um,
1: big-time performances
0: are so different.
1: Art Schliester keeping around the right end at Michigan in 1981, Von Brodnack's big-time block basically ran the play the wrong direction you know what i mean but they still won the game uh CJ Stroud you know you don't equate what Kyle McCord did against Notre Dame with CJ Stroud against Utah cuz CJ Stroud hardly missed and he couldn't afford to miss in a game like that you know what i mean this the what comes out what comes out from this game to me was whether people want to admit it or not is Ohio State 2023 a year after the defense fell apart on them to a certain extent the last couple of games at the wrong times, Ohio State won a defensive struggle. The other team only scored 14 points. That's, the, in my opinion, that is a badge of honor for this team as much as anything else coming out of this win, 17-14 to 14 at but Notre Dame.
0: But you have to have the quarterback play to win a national championship. Yeah. And the only thing that I'm, I'm – the point I'm trying to make here is like Kyle McCord, again, could do nothing else – of repute in That's his right. Ohio State career. That's not saying that he will. Again, I think this is a, I just said a rocket ship whose fuel tanks have just been turned. I think he is going to really start. Starship. I think this is this is the confidence game he absolutely needed. But that was legacy stuff. Like, if nothing else, he's going to be known as, remember when he went 11 of 15 on third down and beat Notre Dame in, in a minute 26 with 65 yards? Like, remember when... Remember that pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. between four Notre Dame defenders that probably uh, wouldn't have been thrown by somebody with um, smaller. Remember the Shoulder throw. Pads. Remember the throw on third and 19, third and 19 from the 23, where you're either basically scoring a touchdown. I said in the press box, you have to go to the end zone because there's not a lot of real estate there in those four yards he made me look stupid because he put it on the back shoulder we of a mecca because we, yeah. because if he puts it ahead of a mecca it's intercepted and it's game over but what, like, wait, wait,
1: wait let me stop right hold, there. hold on a second but what's amazing about that throw was that throw was in the air before a mecca buka established you know what i mean yes. i mean that was a quarterback and a receiver on exactly the same page as the uh, football parlance goes that was an
0: amazing moment I just thought it was legacy stuff from Kyle McCord. I think th- that was as good of a drive. Fifteen plays is not great. That is the, the the epitome of lack of efficiency is 15 plays in a minute, 26, but they needed all 15 of them.
2: Yeah, if you didn't know who Kyle McCord was going into this game, you do now. I think that's the most important thing. Like, Absolutely. was super pretty, but he got the job done, and that final drive is a thing of – I mean, Ryan Day said it. I said it in our last video. The great quarterbacks win in two-minute drill, and that's what Kyle McCord did. He, he showed everything you would need to show – in that last one minute and 25 seconds, where he drove them down the field and got them to the doorstep for Chip Trainham to just finish the job. I also really liked his answer when he was asked about, you know, when you found out that it was going to be a run play, you might have asked him the question. Yeah. Um, you know, what was your reaction? Because, you know, a quarterback, you want to win the game for your team. Mm, yeah. And they decided to put the ball in the hands of Chip Trainem to win that game. And, and Kyle's response I thought was great and just saying, you know, there's no doubt with Chip Trainem. He was not. Going to be denied at that point and you know obviously you'd like to score the play before that with the sprint out to marvin harrison jr the best player on that field but that didn't work for them so yeah. then they go to the ground and the, i thought that his answer uh, yeah. there i mean just talking to people who aren't ohio state fans that watch this game they were most impressed with kyle mccord's poise and then after the game the way he handles himself just in front of media with teammates the way he flips the switch from you know jumping onto the the benches after that touchdown and screaming to the crowd. Devin but Brown then,
1: was as crazy as he was. Yeah, you
2: know? but then, but then being in, a, in an interview and being very composed and polite and humble, like just being yeah. able to flip that switch, that's hard.
1: Yeah, and I asked Chip Trainum after the game, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wasn't meant. I just wanted to see his reaction. I said, so would you say Kyle McCord has established himself as as your bona fide starting quarterback? I'm I'm just paraphrasing what I asked, but I'd like Chip, Chip Trainum's an, immediate answer was, hell yeah, you know. He basically, he is our leader. I mean, he's the guy you look to, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and the thing I keep coming back to, fellas, is this. This guy isn't a freshman. This guy's a third-year player who's been in this program. He's been around these guys for a while and stuff. They know how good he is. They know how well he can throw the ball. You know, back. you know, we heard a lot of things about Devin Brown during uh, bowl practice last year, but you heard a lot of things about uh, Kyle McCord, too, you know, throughout the last couple of years and stuff. And. But it takes a moment like that for everybody to see it, you know, to understand that, yeah, Cal McCord is a former five-star prospect for good reason.
0: Yeah, he, again, just say it again, when Ohio State needed him, he delivered. And uh, you don't have to have, first of all, they had to the throw to Marvin. He was open for a split second. The snap was to the left. If the snap was to the right, and I, I don't blame Carson Hensman for that just because getting the snap back there was seven seconds ago, is impressive enough for me um, because I would be shaking. Uh, but um, the snap was to the left, and Kyle had to stop for a second before he could sprint out. I watched that play 54 times this morning. Not that. Exaggeration. Yeah, I watched that play off. so many times this morning. Marvin, when he turns his head, where, when the ball should be there, he's ready for it, and he's got about a yard. Not a yard, but, but like a half a yard on Benjamin Morris, and he could have caught that pass. But with Kyle McCord, knowing that he's a little behind because the ball's over here and he had to stop for a second, collect himself before he could sprint out and throw it. He throws it way far yeah. toward the pylon because the last thing you want to do is throw a back, back shoulder interception there. Yeah, Even that from Cal McCord was smart. Everything he did on that final drive, aside from the throw, I thought, to Cade Stover, where he thought he was open, but that safety was baiting him the entire way. He was undercutting that the whole way. Everything else I thought was smart, even the intentional grounding, because I did think Marvin Harrison Jr. was in the vicinity, and so I just thought that 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 was stuff that if if you see Comichord start to take off after this, you're going to look back at a minute 26 on the 35-yard line in Notre Dame Stadium and say, wow, that's where we saw
1: it. You know, this is the thing, by the way, this caught me by surprise because I wasn't aware of it, that maybe there's been a change whatever, but... I th- always thought you could always throw the ball out of bounds and stop the clock as long as you're putting the ball in play, so to speak. I mean, I saw an intentional grounding call on a ball thrown out of the back of the end zone uh, over the weekend. I'm just going, what? You know what I mean? It's. I mean, I guess you're compelled now to put the ball in jeopardy of some sort. Uh, but what's the difference in that play, the intentional grounding play, and the, the overthrow to Marvin Harrison Jr. at the goal line like you just delineated what are, what are the differences in those?
0: Well, he's not in the area. He What, well,
1: he, But he was, like you said. But Marvin Zeus will the 5 or 6 yards of that grounding call. He was 5 or 7 yards away.
0: He was on the hash. I, I yeah. thought he was he was No, he was no, he was Yeah, go oh, back. Well, and we're look. not going to argue about it here. Well, but, but, but
1: we are arguing about. It. That's my point. I mean, you brought it he, up. I don't understand why that was an intentional grounding call. He was
0: in the tackle box. He was obviously going to be not sacked. Right. Yeah. And he threw it out of bounds and the officials deemed there wasn't a receiver there. So that's Textbook grounding, but you can but
1: go up to the line, take the ball, and spike it to stop the clock.
0: It's football's a weird sport, man. Like you I know what I'm saying? Sure, but football's a weird sport. I don't, I don't know. Uh, just the last thing I want to get to is I don't think anybody's going to have to shell out 59.99 on uh, their cable provider to watch Ryan Day versus Lou Holtz, um, and I think he's probably settled down. I think he probably will say something further about. You know, maybe he won't uh, address it at all when we get to talk to him next. Um,
1: that would have been like Ryan Day but, or uh, Michael Tyson versus Michael Spinks.
0: But, I, you know, I just the, the emotion after the game from everyone, Andy, this was a team that needed a win on the road, but needed a – I think that a 17-14 serves them much better than 35-31. Like, they, they kind of proved something to themselves, I think, on Saturday, that they can win a game that is – Sloppy, that is kind of bad offensively, not efficient. 17-14, just like a slugfest. They can win that kind of game. And they proved it to themselves on the road, top 10 game at night. I just, that's where the emotion I think came from, from this team, what do you think?
2: Yeah, you wrote it best. I thought that, you know, Lou Holtz was Thank not. Thank you. Yeah, he wasn't talking specifically at Lou Holtz. Like, that was not the message. Lou Holtz was the boiling point for Ryan Day. And uh, I think that's the exact words you used. And I think that that's pretty accurate. Like this was honestly just the, the tipping point in the situation where Ryan Day needed to make a statement. This team needed to make a statement. They needed to show that they weren't soft per se. And I think that they did that on the road against the top 10 team in a place like Notre Dame Stadium to win the way they did. He said, you know, they needed that yard for the program yeah. the way they got it. And I thought, you know, that's pretty accurate. You know, that was really, really the message and, and the players felt that way. And certainly the coaches felt that way. And I think now going forward, you have to say, well, how will they build off of this? Yeah. They've got a bye week now or an off-week and, and you got to look at that saying, that could be great for this team to build and ride off that momentum. You also have the risk of complacency and, and you know, marinating in this a little too much. So it, it's definitely an interesting time for an off-week. Yeah, there's, I think it's a
1: perfect time for yeah. an off-week. Uh, let me, let me, my point is this, we can parse every play of that game and figure out who should have won that play. Bottom line, with the game on the line, and Ohio State having just given up the, the ball, uh, going for it on fourth and one, on that little jet, you know, jet sweep to a out of the flanker spot. Getting caught. The defense got the ball back, with some help from Notre Dame for throwing the ball. What are you doing? Well, I mean, what are you doing? Uh, but they got the ball back, forced a punt, and then Ohio State ran its two-minute drill in a minute and 25 seconds or whatever it was, down the field and scored the winning touchdown. That's like, just like a boxing match. You can be dominating. I've watched uh, Buster Douglas dominate Mike Tyson. Then all of a sudden in the eighth round, Mike Tyson throws an uppercut. Buster had gone all, all day avoiding the uppercut, knocks Buster Douglas down. Buster Douglas sits there and goes, damn it, and he slammed the thing, gets up, and a round and a half later, knocks out Mike Tyson. Okay, all that mattered was from that moment on in that fight from when Buster got up and then stepped up, had the right defense and then threw the right offense and knocked him out. And that's what these games, these big time games come down to that. I brought up again, I'll bring it up again. Florida State Clemson, Clemson was fighting for its life the other night, the other day in that game. Florida State got a great play from a defensive player, returned a fumble for a touchdown, flipped the game, and then Florida State, you know, ties it up, wins in overtime. All that matters is, is when the game was on the line, they made the plays that mattered and the other team didn't. And that's exactly, these were two really good football teams on Saturday night with two really good defenses, in my opinion, Uh, and they got after it. And I'm just getting fired up only because that's big time football is when Boom, the game is on the line. Do you deliver on both sides of the ball? And Ohio State did.
0: And then Ryan Day delivered in the postgame. Because I mean, Ohio
1: State did not do that against Georgia. Go ahead
0: now. Yeah, they didn't do it against Michigan. They didn't do it against Georgia. We can rehash that for decades and decades. But they did it against Notre Dame, and Ryan Day used all of that that's been kept up for so, been kept inside for so, so long. I think he had it in the chamber last year, in here, in November, and was ready to, to let it go. And it didn't happen. I think he had it in the chamber for uh, a double-digit lead against Georgia. And he couldn't, so he had to keep it in. And then Friday, the old man says something on a, a silly TV show. Whatever it and, takes. <laughs> and There was just something about that moment for Ryan Day where it just let go. And nice I for. don't give a damn what anybody thinks about what Ryan Day did Saturday night after that game. There are people who are saying it was- I liked it. Well, hold on a second. There were people who were saying it was classless. There were people who were saying it was awesome. There are people who were saying it was stupid. There are people who were saying it was petty. Guess what? There are 85 players in that locker room who loved it. There are 10 assistant coaches on Ryan Day's staff who loved it. There's an athletic director who sits in the box up there. A Notre Dame alum. Who I would venture to assume is not angry at Ryan Day at all about that. And there are people who fill this stadium almost every Saturday who watch this program and to hear a Manchester, New Hampshire native who some people say, you know, does he understand the rivalry? Does he get Ohio State? To be out on the field in Notre Dame Stadium in that regional rivalry that's always dormant and to say, Ohio against the world, this team is tough. He's not just talking about physically tough. Ohio State proved some mental struggles, I think, on fourth down. They proved some mental struggles in big games. All of that was, I think, a little exercise with that one yard run by Chip Traynham. And you saw the raw, visceral emotion on the field after the game and in the press conference and in the music that was playing in the locker room and guys going to the bus. It looked like a mass unit. The walking wounded was walking to the bus and they were still smiles. They were still, you know, just going nuts. This program needed that. And that's the point I think Ryan Day was trying to make, Andy. And
1: I want to tell you something, though. This is what stuck in my mind from late Saturday night on when I'm driving to to, uh, Columbia City to my luxurious hotel. Uh, (laughs) There are two other battles coming. Well, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how good Penn State sort of looks on both sides of the ball. And Michigan, you know, have they played anybody yet? They did beat mighty Rutgers on Saturday, but you know that's when you can really step up and and gloat, so to speak, is after those two games. Because I mean, the Big Ten East is is the real deal, and this is this team's going to get two more major shot, major challenges before it makes or breaks its season. I think it's going to be awesome from here on out to but, watch this team.
0: But they they needed that one in that way, Correct. I think, to get to those, Andy.
2: Yeah, I mean, of course. Correct, they, they that's what had, the point yeah. was. <laughs> they, they need to win, I mean, they maybe could take one loss, but the attitude has to be you gotta win every game, right? And that's, this is yeah. the first test. As Tim mentioned, Penn State's the second test, and then Michigan's the third test, and you gotta win all these other games in between, basically. And, you know, you could see there's already more credibility now with this Ohio State team. In terms of the national perception, I think we all knew this could be a top four team, a national title contending team. but. After those first two weeks, you slide in the polls. Then you don't even move after a 63-10 beatdown. I know it was Western Kentucky, but that's still an FBS team. They didn't move at all in the poll after that. It was this game on September 23rd that was circled on the calendar, and everyone wanted to see, is this team for real? Is Kyle McCord actually a good starting quarterback for Ohio State? Is this defense actually elite? And all of those questions were answered, and that's why they're now number four in the AP poll. I'm not putting all stock in the AP poll. Ultimately, the CFP rankings are what's going to matter. But that's also a lot about perception, yeah. Of, of course what it you is. are, and, and, yeah, and what kind of team you can be. And I think that right now, on Monday, you're looking at this Ohio State team saying, "Okay, yeah, they're probably going to end up in these bowl projections in the CFP today. They weren't last week. Yeah, it was all and- Orange Bowl or." Other New Year's six spots, and now it's like, okay, this is a team that can go back to the CFP. I think that matters a lot.
0: That's the mental side that I think Ryan Day was really getting into. Is that you know they're they're mentally tough now, and they also know that they can do it against anybody. You go on the road in a top ten game at night with all those little bracelets and lighting up green. Those those drunken idiots that seventy seven thousand of them, all of them just electrified for college football. And you do that in the final seconds. That's the mental toughness that this team earned, and that's the that's now. Here's the thing that that Ohio State owns now. They own knowing that they made 85 percent of national media looks dumb by picking Notre Dame uh, because I charted it 17 of 20 that I heard pick I Notre Dame. <laughs> so Ohio State kind of gets to have a little we told you so in that they have a win over a ranked Notre Dame that's not going to fall out of rankings anytime soon that no, could still be team, could still be in the college football playoff race. You get a, a one loss Ohio State or a against the one loss Notre Dame, you get an Ohio State against Notre Dame in the college football playoff debate, you have the ultimate trump card. On the road, you beat Notre Dame, place it on the table for the college football playoff committee. You get uh, a bye week to rest and recover. Perfect timing. And you get a spark plug in Ryan Day who messaged to his players, this is how passionate I am about this. And I think all of that carries into this off week. And now Ryan Day gets to face one of his favorite people. In two weeks, and he gets two weeks to prepare to do it. He 2014, gets two thousand fourteen Ohio State. He gets Mike Loxley at home.
1: Ohio State two thousand fourteen beat Penn State at Penn State. That was the year. Remember, they lost their second game of the year to Virginia Tech. Yes. Beat Penn State at Penn State in a classic defensive struggle, make big plays on offense kind of game. And Joey Bosa said after the game that there was there was going to be something different about this team moving forward because they had come in and taken care of business when it didn't look like they were going to. Yep and it was a different team from that moment on. There's a good chance that we just saw that moment for this Ohio State team a little bit earlier in the year, but you know, it's, uh, they come when they come in and suddenly the light comes on for everybody and you're a different group.
0: A lot more to break down. We, we just scratched the surface. Again, the nine minute rapid reaction was rapid and it was a reaction. Um, in a sense where we were trying to catch our breath, quite literally, we were getting kicked off the field. Didn't have much, didn't have a lot of time, but I thought was a really good way to break it all down in a quick order. This was a little more, uh, you know, clinical. full full breakdown. Maybe a little clinical, maybe surgical is the right word. But now we get ten more days until we see, maybe twelve more days until we see these Buckeyes on the field right behind us against Maryland for homecoming on October 7th. Until then, Letterman Monroe will be breaking down the Buckeyes that big win over Notre Dame and looking forward to the next date on the schedule. Ohio State's got some challenges coming. Letterman Rowe's looking forward to him. 40-year vet Tim May, he's going to get out of here. Andy Backstrom's going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. We're all going to get to work covering these Buckeyes like we do 365 days a year. Thanks for watching the Monday after Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14 on Letterman Rowe. We will see you guys the next time Ohio State gives us a chance to talk to players, media. Till then, we'll be at LettermanRowe.com.